Hey everyone, how's everyone going? I hope everyone's having the most beautiful night of your life. Um, it's literally 8, 11 p.m. right now, and I'm actually excited to bring in this um, episode. Uh, this is kind of crazy, actually. Um, I was out, I was on the way home. Um, I was just literally messaging uh, this guy for like a couple of times from the morning, and I don't know, like... I was talking to him and I was like, you know what, this guy's kind of interesting. Like, I would love to do a full episode um, with this person. So, I don't know. I don't know how the entire episode's going to go. It might go to strictly business. We might change the topics, up, uh, topics a couple times. And I really hope this is um, something that you listen to wherever uh, you listen to this. So, thank you everyone for listening and I hope you enjoy this Um I'm joined today by Caleb. Um, I haven't looked too much um, into you because I want to actually learn on the podcast and I think that's something important, so I'm actually interested. Um, Caleb, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Um, I want to ask you first, I want to, one thing I always want to ask is I want to know exactly what people do. Like right now, what takes most of your time? Um, conversion rate optimization and, and marketing. Yeah. That, that's kind of Are the you, main thing. And you own a business right now? Yes. What's your business name and like, what do they do exactly? Uh, Echo Marketing, E-K-O-H Marketing. And we are a boutique agency. Uh, we specialize in Facebook ads, branding and conversion rate optimization. Uh, we're a very small team. I've been very lucky to find very highly skilled people that are capable of doing what you would normally need a team of like 10 people to do uh, with just a small handful of people. So, yeah, we've worked with um, quite a few sort of – I'm struggling with the word to describe them. It's not luxury per se in in the sense of Gucci, but for the middle class, it's like luxury items like um, sporting um, artwork and that sort of thing. so it's it's sort of it's an interesting area in e-commerce because it's not it's not something that necessarily solves the problem, but it's also not like a knee-jerk purchase. If that makes sense, so it's kind of luxury, but it's luxury for the middle class, I guess. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I like the like the way you said that. Um, so would you say brands like Bossini and I don't know if you know that brand because I know you're in Brisbane, but. Um, brands like, for example, Connor and Borsini and like Roger David, things like that? Um, Connor would be a good example. Um, I recently got permission from one of the clients um, that we were under an NDA with to use him as a case study. Um, so you can check him out if you like or, you know, anyone can go and see. It's um, Hexhead Art. They're based in the U.S., and uh, they do metal artwork for the Major League Baseball teams and all of the um, college football and stuff over there. And um, their artwork is amazing. Um, it was awesome to work with them, and yeah, we got them some really good results. I love that. So I want to kind of at the start go into process and like, and I know you've answered what you do exactly, but I think that's just a – a micro question and i think if we can go into it a little bit more i think that would be really cool um so let's say a brand uh comes up to you and they say and let's let's look at connor for example right Um, let's say connor comes up to you and says hey um 
we have this brand. How, what can you do to help us? Like, what do you, what what do you do exactly from point A to point B to help this business grow? Uh, the first thing we generally do is an audit. Um, I've sort of it's an unofficial rule we have brought on clients without auditing them first, but I don't generally like to do that because I like to know what I'm getting into. Um, so normally we'll do an audit, and it depends on the service. If they're just after. Facebook ads, for instance, then I'll audit the ad account. Um, But if it's like a full marketing package, uh, email and all that sort of stuff, then we kind of audit their entire business. So we would would want to talk to key stakeholders in the business um, around fulfillment, around how quickly they can ship, um, how they deal with stock when it runs out, for instance, Um, whether or not they have an in-house marketing person they want us to work with, how they create content. Uh, and, and for a brand like Connor as well, I would even secret shop them and just see like, what is the customer support? Like, do they have chat on this site? What, what is the chat like? Um, I'm just, I just jumped on their website now and they've got a login. So what's the features, what's the benefits of, of joining and logging in to really build up a, a big profile of both how the business is presenting and then dive into like the personas that they're going after so that any brand adjustments that might come up can be addressed based on sort of empirical data rather than just opinion. And then I also, I personally like data, so I get really excited about jumping into Google Analytics, for instance, Mm. and having a look at um, what's actually happening on the site. Um, I love Hotjar. Um, I, I really enjoy looking at the data you can pull out of that sort of stuff and, and you can see, um, for instance, like a, with these guys, it's a clothing brand. It's not fast fashion per se, but it's it's bordering on it. Um, they have their sales right up the top. Um, they've got a – their site layout's interesting, actually. I, I wouldn't say that I like it, but it's changed a lot since probably about six months ago when I last saw it. So they're, they're obviously split testing stuff, which is great. So then mm-hmm. in that instance, I'd want to know, okay, what are you split testing? What have you done before? What was your logic behind that? Let's look at the results. Um, and then basically build out a strategy for the brand around, okay, here's who you say you are. Here's who people see you as. Here's the overlap. Here's the disconnect. Here's our strategy for bridging that gap. Let's move forwards. I love that. Um, I actually do love that. Um, so, so <laughs> I like the way you explain things, man. You really go into detail. Let's. Uh, so I guess that's like something I um, always try to kind of learn, but you uh, kind of know exactly what to say. I want to. I want to ask you though. So, talking about exact processes. So. Do you go in, so let's say they, let's say, again, we'll go back to Connor. Um, Connor says, okay, we'd like to to help us. You have full control. Are you doing Google ads, Facebook, Instagram, like literally YouTube? Like are you doing all faces of social media and growth and even content marketing and things like that? Or, or like, yeah, what are the things that you'll get your hands dirty on? Uh, I'll get my hands dirty with site development, um, email marketing, Facebook ads, Google AdWords. I'm starting to bridge into um, LinkedIn, which wouldn't necessarily apply to Connor per se, but if they wanted to go after 
uh, more of a high-end market. If they brought in like a luxury line, for instance, or a more premium, so let's say they were going after um, Ted Baker, for instance, sort of that next step up above them, um, then I would suggest, hey, like let's explore that as an avenue. Um, YouTube, I'll be, I'll be completely honest, I have no experience with YouTube ads. Um, I've heard rumblings that they're getting better and better. I'm not surprised considering the issues that there's been with the platform. So I, I would, if that's something I felt was warranted for the customer, then I would try and find someone that I was confident in working with to partner with on that project. Uh, but I would be very transparent about that. If I'm, if I'm not confident in something, I, I don't really want to say that I can do it and then <laughs> figure it out along the way. I think I did enough of that when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. I want to ask you, um, okay, that's actually really interesting. So when you say site development, you mean like design and things like that and like obviously design for conversions and like things like that? Is that what you're saying when you say yeah, it's Yeah, driven design. Um, I've been doing this for a while and have some pretty good ideas around base design that work for mm. optimizing conversions. I'm not a designer. Again, very upfront and honest. I will tell you what is bad design in my opinion and if I can get access to the data, I'll, I'll back it up with data. Um, but I, I, one of my business partners is um, an excellent designer. She's been designing since she was 12 years old. She's worked with um, some pretty big uh, brands in the States. Um, and she is excellent with branding and design. Um, actually, it's just reminded me. Um, they're actually using red for buttons. They're using red as part of their sale, Connor is, but they're using it on the buttons as well. And red is typically a stop indicator on a button. So that's interesting. There's some direct that's, feedback for them if they yeah, see the podcast. Yeah, yeah, let's break let's break that down. So you think you think that might turn someone off because it's making them, and this is obviously a, not, a, not a conscious thing. Um, it's just something on split test. Yeah. Um, if you think yeah. about the big red button in movies, if you think about your daily life, red tends to be associated with stop. Yeah. Um, now, Target has, has certainly gone away to sort of change that with red dot specials and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Target was it came up, one of them. Um but it's it's still based around the idea of stop and look. So there's still that stop. When you are trying to get someone to do something, you want to encourage them to take as many micro actions as possible that put them in the frame of mind around, yes, yes, I want to purchase this. Yes, I want to see more. Yes, I want to add this to cart. Oh, yes, you gave me an upsell. I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, so any friction... In that process, you just need to measure the outcome. Like you can introduce friction in a good way and it can be worthwhile, but if you're not A-B testing it or like doing a multivariant test where you're testing a bunch of different colors, for instance, on a button, then you might just go with red because it's in the branding colors and it looks good in this particular combination. 
And then, you know, you push the sale and you put $30,000 of ad spend behind it and your conversion rate goes from, say, 2.5% to 2%. You're still making good money, but if you had have done a properly controlled test, you might be at 28 or 3%. And 2% is a huge number when we're talking about big companies like that, of, of course. Um, well, one thing I want to ask, when you say split testing, how do you... Um, split test on a on a major website that you can't kind of just I mean are you saying that run one campaign for one month with the red and then one month with the green or no. are you saying split or, or, or are you live. saying live with, live with yeah. two different landing kind of pages on two different no. products as well no um, Google Optimize is free and yep. you can run five experiments in it currently in the free version and each experiment can have up to 16 variations. Uh, the way to think about that is every combination of things you put in there has a certain number of variations. So the more possible combinations, that's your variation. So if you, again, talking about buttons, they have red right now. So let's say that's the control. Let's say we want to test a green, we want to test a blue, we want to test a, a black, and we want to test a maybe a... Um, and orange so we got four they're also using a yellow yellowy orange for their uh text so maybe we want to split test that as well so now we could decide okay do we want to split test that separately or do we want to have a look at them as a combination and then figure it out so if we go combination well we can only add four colors to test because four times four is 16 if we want to do a separate test then we could add more colors and in the separate experiment, we would have up to 16 different colors for the text that we would be testing. And so that's the free version. If you've got Analytics 360, you get um, unlimited tests. I believe it's 30 live ones, but unlimited experiments at any point in time, I believe. Cool. So each, uh, each link will have a different split test. It's the same website, just a different page with different colors that would pop up. Yeah, yeah, it just hooks into Google Analytics or Google Tag Manager and your your particular browsing session gets served a slightly different version of the site and, and the analytics are recorded around that and reported back. Cool. Uh, VWO does the same thing, but it's like $500 US. So. Um, in your opinion, what's the biggest thing that you see? Well, what's the biggest fault you see in websites because I don't know, look, from in my opinion, I don't look at websites a lot. I'm mainly form like lead forms and direct sales ads is what I, the way I look at things. Yeah. And I don't do website, I don't do um, uh, pixels and things like that, not that much. So when you look at a website, what is the most important thing that you think people should change or that the biggest fault you see in a lot of websites? What's that, what would that be? This is a great question. And um, I actually wrote down... I've been trying to get into the habit of auditing sites on a live video, and I wrote down um, what I, how I rate them. So I, I've, I've done, I don't know, maybe four or five videos now, but um, I started rating them, and I rate them on trust. I rate them on trust, user experience, and branding. Those are kind of like the three big things. And it took, it took me a while to figure out, like, when I look at a page. What are the high-level categories that I'm thinking about? And that's kind of what it comes down to. And the biggest one is trust. 
Um, I, so I do a 10 point system, um, six points of which is in trust. So when you, again, looking at Connor, for instance, um, right up the top on their, their desktop site, they've got free shipping on orders over 80, free install pickup, and hassle-free returns. That is their, what you'd call like a sale banner or something like that. It's right away building a lot of trust because the main one that's building trust on there is the hassle-free returns. Um, the next thing that sort of gives any sort of sense of trust uh, They've got a feedback form on the side, which is a pop-out. So they're, they're interested in building uh, rapport with their customers. They want feedback, so that's good. Um, above the fold, actually, there's, there's not a lot else that, that builds trust. It's all relying on their brand. So if you're an established brand, that's fine. But if you're not an established brand, you can't just rely on the fact that you have a cool brand name or logo or whatever. Like You, you have to build trust with your audience. So below the fold, they have free delivery, hassle-free exchange and returns, and then they've got afterpay as well. Again, though, the only thing really building trust there is the hassle-free returns. Afterpay is a nice convenience. Free delivery makes me feel good about not having to pay for shipping. So there's an element of trust there, but it's not the same as, say, having a phone number listed where I could call if I had any concerns, which I'm guessing if I scroll down, they're not going to have it all. Not that I have it at all on their homepage. Mm. And when we look at, so first one was trust that you said. The second one you said was user experience. So yeah, if we this get, is if getting we, bigger and yeah. bigger. Mm. So when you say user experience in one to two sentences, how would you? <laughs> what would you say user experience means? Um, so UX to me is how does it feel to use the site. Does it feel nice? Do I want to use it? Or do I feel like I'm fighting it? Mm. Fighting it was a, was a good way to explain what they're trying to say. When we're looking at branding, and I think branding is one of the most important topics to honestly talk about. When you're looking at a website, how do you, how do you brand yourself? Because when I look at branding, it means making people remember who you are like making people remember the last sentence you've said and that's branding when you're looking at a website and in in that in that point of view how do you brand yourself on a website i don't think i can answer that in two sentences (laughs) okay (laughs) um let's do five sentences yeah no it is it's a really good question in in essence and it's uh, it's your reputation. So your, your brand is, is like the reputation of your business. That's a good way to think about it. But on a website, um, everything contributes to your brand. I've been on websites that have amazing logos. Their color scheme is awesome, but some of the buttons don't work. So that makes it feel cheap because, yes, you spend all this money on, on sexy product shots and great hero images and you have a color scheme that works, but I can't even click through to a product page. Like that doesn't, that's not a good experience and that looks bad for the brand, if that makes sense. Um, I think for me, yeah, when I'm looking at uh, branding, I think simplicity is like 
really important. Like I remember when I was in uh, school, like I was thinking it was in grade five or six, there used to be this little project where everyone gets a sheet of paper and they draw their own Google logo. I don't know if you've done that before, but they say, hey, here's Google. Can you make your own logo out of Google? Like you make the O a snake and things like that. And that was something that I feel went all over Melbourne for some reason or some all over Australia. And that was a huge part of branding for Google in my opinion. Um, do you think, how do you think a website or a business can, in, how do they interact with their customers in that way? Because that just made me not forget Google. Because I remember drawing that logo. I have no memory of doing that, but I, I went to school in New Zealand. So right. I also went to school a while ago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a weird thing to be saying. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I would need to look into whether or not that was. Well, the winner actually, the, the, sorry for cutting you off, the winner, if the picture was actually freaking amazing, like one of the people in school, I think won, and they actually used it on the front page of Google for like one day. So it was like a competition kind of thing that was running at the time. Okay. All right. Well, um, I mean, that's, yeah, competitions are excellent for branding. Um, giveaways are as well. The... Do you want to paraphrase you? Oh, I'm going to paraphrase your question. Let me see if I understand it. How can a, a, a business have the same level of impact so that their brand gets remembered? Is, is that sort of what you're asking? Uh, yeah. And if you can talk about interaction as well, though, how do they – okay, we'll go about the way you said it. That was exactly right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, the – so people remember how you make them feel. Um, a lot of psychology goes into marketing. And the biggest thing when it comes to branding, and, and you'll see this if you look at um, Gucci, Coca-Cola, even McDonald's, um, even David Jones, which doesn't exist in the States, but it, it does here. Um, and there are massive department stores which exist in the States that don't exist here. Australia is weird when it comes to branding. But if you look at any of the successful brands, it's about creating a feeling and having you associate that feeling with the brand. So if you look at Coke commercials, they're, they're a really good example. They, ha they don't even say Coke. Like, they... It's all about what's going on. Everyone's having fun. And yes, they're drinking Coke. Um, to, to create that for your business, you've really got to have a good understanding of who your audience is, what their, their needs are, what their frustrations are, and what their dreams are. Because if you know those things, you can tailor an experience for them in a way that it, it becomes exciting and fun to share it and that is what will make it go viral that is what will cause people to want to engage with it and then it will stick in their mind because they they have a a highly emotional connection 
And that that's something obviously super hard to do. Like when you say Coca-Cola made a... And I'm sure there's so many businesses that wouldn't do the kind of commercials that Coca-Cola would do because they would think that the branding isn't there because you don't remember the name. I think that there's one sentence I've heard before and it was branding is what people say to all the people behind your back when you're not looking. Yeah, and what they say think, about you, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a really good way to kind of explain what branding means. And, and it's a really long-term thing as well. It's super hard to not just understand but actually work towards because you might be 10 to 15 years into branding and you might still not have anything, to be honest with you. So it's super hard to think about. Um, and yeah, when you're doing e-commerce and e-commerce, okay, so I, I'm working, I work with physical businesses like real estate, for example, and the trust part is obviously super hard, but because it's a physical business, I get the, we get the clients to actually meet with the people or the leads that we're trying to get right and that's a way to really build um an actual relationship with the customers when you're looking at e-commerce through the offers how do you build that relationship as well what do you think are the top things to look for when you're building a relationship with the customer um i'm gonna be a bit cheeky how how do you build trust Do do you know the process for building trust so, uh, so okay. So obviously, it's a hard topic to talk about. I think <laughs> trust. No, seriously. I think this is the, this is the way I look at it. Right. I think advertising is really salesy from a lot of businesses. And when you're advertising an offer that's all about you and you're not actually giving anything in return, I think the trust goes down. This is what I think trust is: putting out an offer that's not about you, that's about someone else, and then having um, content marketing and branding on your pages for people to on the side go on your page and learn learn more about you. I think trust is when people are interested in you and they're actually willing to learn more and people want to learn more when they see more content. So the more topics you talk, like let's say for example, um, you're on a company and you don't only talk about business you talk about other things and people see the different sides of you i think that's when um people will have trust with you i know i didn't answer that question directly <laughs> so i was gonna be i was cheeky there too um but yeah that's kind of the way i look at it no that's fine um i'll, I'll leverage that and I'll, I'll just add to it and i would say from a, a very strict definition standpoint trust is uh belief in reliability so as, as a brand if someone trusts the brand they believe that you're going to deliver on what you say you're going to deliver on um which is it's not different to what you're saying i just wanted to add to that yeah. and so with that in mind the the answer to your question uh is about building the relationship and weaving trust into the relationship the way we run um e-com campaigns in our agency is through funnel the minimum we recommend is a is a three-step funnel but generally we prefer to do a five-step funnel um, and we've even been talking in-house about testing out a seven-step funnel and the reason for this is you don't 
Oh, I should preface this. How crass can I be on this podcast? <laughs> no, you're doing good, to be honest with you. You're, you're a natural, actually. Um, so what I'm about to say may be a bit provocative, but you wouldn't walk up to a <laughs> a uh, attractive, someone you find attractive and ask them to uh, sleep with you straight away. Yeah. That, that's not how you do it. But yeah. when you're scrolling through Facebook and you see an ad and it's like, hey, this is the most amazing product in the world. Come buy my shit. That's basically what that advertiser is doing. We yep. just, as a, as a culture, don't necessarily think of it that way. How you, how you build that relationship, um, especially without a physical presence, is by increasing the number of touch points and offering value and asking the, the user or the potential customer to make micro commitments, which when you fulfill on them, build trust. Uh, it's kind of like if you were to look at building a relationship, um, like an intimate relationship, there's a lot that goes into it, but it can kind of be summarized by like you have touch points and at each touch points you test how far you can go, what you feel comfortable with, and then you, you like call it quits there and then the next time you kind of pick it back up um, and then go a little bit more and then you call it quits and, and so on, so on and so on until eventually you get to kiss or whatever. But with, with lead gen and e-commerce, honestly, it's, it's all about the, the number of touch points and being, being relevant to where the customer is at at the time. Like if you're relevant for where they're at, it's so easy to give them value and to build trust. Uh, the tricky part is is knowing where they're at <laughs> and delivering it to them at the right time. Like that's that's the tricky part. Well, I think we, let's talk about that. When you and I remember you saying micro touch points, and I think that's a lot of there's a thing that not everyone thinks about because it's all about the sale and it's less about the the. I was going to say process, but I think that might be the wrong word. Um, hopefully, you understand what I'm trying to say, but. Um, what are these touch points that we're talking about? Can you give me a couple of examples? Like, what's, I'd love to. Yeah, please. I would, I would love to listen to that. Do you mind if I use real estate as an example? A hundred percent. Please do. Okay. Um, so real estate is, is interesting um, because it's a, it's a huge purchase. And unless you're an investor, the buyer's journey on that is quite long. Um, very one one of the longest buyer's journeys that that's out there. Um, say for for luxury items like uh, boats, but um, the through the entire duration of that buyer's journey, an agent has the opportunity to meet the um, the buyer. For instance, so if, let's say you're doing lead gen for, for buyers, so you're a seller's agent or you, you've got properties that you're trying to sell and you're looking for buyers. There's multiple different stages where the buyer is going to have some sort of problem that you can automate the solution to. Um, for instance, when they are trying to research an area, if you have family houses or townhouses or something in a good school area, part of your marketing could be to provide 
uh, checklists for things to look for when moving to a new neighborhood. Um, another part of your marketing that only goes to people who have seen the checklist could be a video about, um, you know, hey, we just put out this checklist. We've had really great feedback from it. We realize we left some things off it, and these are some things to look for when you're actually in an inspection for a house. Mm. Um, and so all along uh, that those two steps, you're meeting the buyer at different uh, sort of decision, might, like they have to make small decisions. It's not just a big decision. It's it's a whole bunch of small decisions that end up being a big decision at the end of it. And so yeah. if you can meet them at each one of those little decisions, that's the micro sort of commitments I'm talking about, mm-hmm. as well as simply clicking a link or entering an email and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and I think obviously that's a little bit easier um, because it is phys- like it's literally a physical business. When, when you're looking at e-commerce though, like someone could go through the, um, let's say for example, the Facebook ad, let, let's go into that because that's the, kind of the main topic if you don't mind. Sure. Um, let's go, someone, someone goes through a Facebook ad, they go to the, for example, Connor website. From then to the point of sale through the buyer's journey, what are the touch points that we're looking at when we're looking at e-commerce? Sure thing. So I'm on Connor's website. Um, I'm going to have a look at this jacket, which is on sale. Uh, Connor has the Pixel installed, although their product page hasn't fired it yet. Still waiting. <laughs> wow, this is taking way too long to load. Okay, so we've got four events that are fired. They've got two different Pixels. Um, both of which have a view content. So what they can do now, they know that I've seen this product and Facebook knows that I've seen this product. So having already visited their site, you've kind of taken away the awareness part of the funnel and we're we're now sort of talking about consideration and, and that sort of stuff. So here what I would like to see, assuming they're doing it right, is I'd like to see uh, either a video, ideally including the jacket that I'm looking at, um, but a video from Connor of some of their sales stock in my feed. That Even if I don't click that, that is going to remind me of what I saw and it's going to remind me of Connor. I would also like to see a, a DPA, a dynamic product ad, which shows me the products that I've looked at on their store and gives me either, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I do shop with my wallet. I'm not necessarily going to buy the most expensive thing simply because it's expensive. Um, so I would like to see the, the discount again. Um, I would like to see maybe a bundle like, hey, we saw you like this product. A lot of people also get these pants with it. If you do this, you'll get free shipping. Um, that kind of thing is a, a way for them to be relevant. Timeliness is a little bit tricky depending on how much analytics they've gathered. If they know someone goes to their store and then purchases within, say, three days, but not normally the day after, then I would expect to see no ads from them in one day and then ads for them in two to three days. But I would also expect them to be testing out ads in that one-day period, but potentially as part of a different sequence. And so mm. right there you could have three different touch points. Um, what 
what we've done in the past with um, e-com brands. Uh, this is kind of tricky if you're just selling crap off AliExpress and it's an impulse purchase. If you're just doing like impulse purchase stuff, there's not really much room for building trust and, and branding and, and all that sort of stuff. It's just, hey, this is a cool thing. It solves a problem. Buy it now. It's less than $50. And that works. People make millions doing that. I'm not knocking it. It's just a different style of marketing. And we're starting to see now people are starting to build trust as part of that because what they could do two years ago is no longer working now. So they're having to sort of adapt to a more standard sort of funnel, which the rest of us are doing. Um, so I, I would want to see multiple different styles of ads hitting me with the products that I've looked at, and I want to see why I should buy from Connor, the free shipping, um, the buy it online and pick it up in store, the did you know that we have uh, 350 locations across Australia something like that, or, hey, there's a chance you're only half an hour away from picking up that jacket, something like that where it's it's relevant to me because of the jacket, it's timely because of the purchasing window, and then there's value either in a discount or a, um, a benefit or a bundle or a, a reduction in hassle or um, some, some other way that you can give value in terms of making it easy for me to have the thing that I expressed interest in. Does that make sense? Makes sense. I got makes very long-winded, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good, it's good, it's good. You're going into detail, I like it. Um, what are your thoughts on videos? What do you, yeah, well, I think you said dynamic um, ad. Um, when you, what, what do you think about e-commerce um, video campaigns? Video is huge. Um, I, I recommend it. Um, I mean, even for, for Legion, I'd say do video first. It's, it's crazy powerful. Um, you always you always want to use video. The platforms, all the platforms, except Twitter, are saying um, you know video is is kind of important to the platform. And, and Facebook specifically has has been very transparent about video being front and center of the platform. Um, YouTube obviously is only video, but yeah. Yeah. What's 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 crazy is on Facebook, and I've mentioned this a few times on my page because I think it's freaking ridiculous, and I don't think anyone has talked about it before. Um, when you're scrolling down the news feed on Facebook, and there's a video, the bottom right corner will say the audio is off. So the amount of interest it like creates right off the bat, like almost every video gets clicked when someone is scrolling down just to hear the first sentence of what the person has to say. And and I think as long as you're grabbing that attention from the first 10 seconds and you're actually interesting and the ad is amazing, it's going to bring way more interest um, on a video than a, a single image or a carousel. Um, have, you thought about, have you thought about that before? Have you um, realized that? Yeah, um, it's actually not as high as you'd think it is. Um, I'm just trying to remember the stats. I know last year when I was at a mastermind um, event, it was something like 60% of videos get viewed without sound. Um, it's, it's surprisingly high, the number of videos that don't have sound, which is why you're now starting to see more and more people do the double bar, caption, 
crazy thing that makes you interested long enough to go, okay, there's probably sound, maybe I should listen and then it will make sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not as high as you would think. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's, it's also really important to have high quality sound. It's one of those things where if you, if you look at the stats, you would go, oh, well, it doesn't matter. So I'll just, I'll just have an interesting video and use text. Uh, and while it's somewhat true that Facebook doesn't penalize you for video in text, um, if you have crappy sound, your video will do worse than if you had no sound. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's still really important. Um, and, but it, I guess it comes back to the quality of the content, you know, we can talk about stats and funnels and all that, but we're, we're hitting, we, we're in the middle of a, of a we cycle and everyone is, is wanting content that speaks to them uh, and, and they want to be part of a group. So if you're, I was everyone's a horribly broad stroke. I apologize for being so general, but the majority of people at this point are, are in the we cycle and they, they want to be a part of something. And if your content speaks to them in that way, then by watching a video, they get to be a part of the people who have watched the video and know what is in it. I realize that may sound really dumb, but honestly, as a species, we're not that smart sometimes. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you, and I want to I move the topic um, from business in just a moment because I'm kind of interested in what you have to say about a couple of topics about literally just life and things like that. Um, when, and you, it's good you mentioned topic because I was literally going to ask you about this. Um, do you think a business should have one unbelievable video to run across their entire audience as campaigns or do you think it might be better to run 50 different average videos across 50 different audiences to find out exactly who's actually interested in their business i would say the answer to that depends on what stage they're at um if if you're a new business and you don't have a proven product, then you need to prove the product. And in order to do that, you need to find the audience that gives a crap about the product and is willing to buy it, which means you need to go wide. Um, and you can do that very quickly with split testing audiences. So that, that would be the latter one. If you're someone like um, Gucci, for instance, you know who your audience is. You're, you're very clear about who your audience is. So the video you put together that is a compilation of B-roll and stock from the fashion show you did in some desert would make a pretty damn good ad because the people who care about Gucci are instantly going to recognize it and drool all over it. Uh, the people that don't, some of them will be interested. That's just how the bell curve works. Some of them won't even know what it is and will scroll right past it. But they don't care about the people that scroll right past it because they know who their audience is. Mm. 